0: we go okay listeners we're back with the second part of our fantastic interview with Andrew Coronas we got cut off short last time a little bit just because of time constraints and meetings Um, but there are a few things that um, I really wanted to touch base on with Andrew so I'd like to continue that conversation now so Andrew welcome back yeah. Hello, Adrian. How are you? Good. Thanks, mate. Good. Really, really good. So really what I wanted to cover off on, which we um, we, we didn't get time to on, on the first part of the episode, was working uh, as a business owner and making that transition from a real estate sales practitioner into a business ownership uh, uh, role because it, there's no real um handbook for it is there like it's you know people just automatically become you know great at sales and the next obvious step is business ownership but you know i find that they're usually quite ill-equipped to actually make that transition um how have you found that space and what are you going to do in order to make that transition easier
1: yeah thank you look i I think it's all a part of a bigger picture of career progression for the industry, to be honest. I mean, we, we all start out generally as agents and then we, we do well and we decide we'd like to be business people because quite frankly, we all think we're wonderful entrepreneurs. Um, And I think, as you said, there's no handbook at all and and no disrespect to the current franchise models that are out there. I don't think they get into the nuts and bolts of showing people how to make money in their businesses. Um, And it's, they're, they're using their name and they've got some other benefits to it. But, I I, I get a little bit disappointed with our industry that we're not showing people how to be profit bosses um, and how to run a business and the business of real estate rather than listing and selling houses. Now most principals are getting to being an owner of a real estate agency is because they're actually very good at their trade and they believe that they can um, show and they want to coach others to do that. But there's no guide for that. Um, I think what, we're, what what my vision for the real estate industry, and especially our franchising model, is to show people how to grow a business, um, not be a real estate agent. I think they are two separate things. The skills of real estate are very important, please, but the coaching and mentoring and growing the business are dealing with profit, dealing with how to diversify your income stream, and showing an exit strategy is something that we want to help people with in our mm. franchising model uh, which i've touched on before and i don't, i don 't believe the industry does it well. Mm.
0: So what do you think is the missing link, Andrew, between making that transition from being a really good uh, salesperson to a business owner? What, what is the missing link? And when they become a business owner, should they still be listing and
1: selling? Yeah, big call. Cool. Um, look, let me be really candid business ownership is not for everybody because everybody sees this bit of an ownership and they see the, the glory of it. They don't see the fact of all the problems that come behind it, having to pay all the bills, the big responsibility, the risk, I mean, the risk involved in owning a business. And, and quite frankly, I think some people who own a business would be better off having an EBU um, and they they would have more time off that have more structure around them. and They don't have to worry about running a business. So firstly, can I say running a business isn't for everybody, especially yep. coming from a sales background and, and I'm not trying to be rude to people, but I just think sometimes, um, you should stick to your knitting. Um, mm-hmm. Second thing that I think the big missing piece is education. We just touched on it before. Mm-hmm. I don't think people tell anybody how to read a profit and loss correctly. I don't think mm-hmm. people tell anybody how to do training correctly. I don't think anybody tells anybody uh, how, to, how to have capital and what type of balance sheet you need to grow a reasonable business, how to grow a rent roll, the value of a rent roll in your business, the value of mortgage and finance in your business. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is we progress. We don't know what we don't know is probably the best answer to say. And that we, we know how to sell houses so we go from being a salesperson to the next minute we're paying the rent and paying the, the the administrators and we're paying all the costs and we're still a salesperson. So I don't believe you can work in sales. That's a really tricky bit. I don't believe you can be a, a high class salesperson or high caliber salesperson and still run a business. I think you've either got to determine eventually um, in you've only got a hundred percent you can give to anything and you've got to determine where you're going to spend that um, hundred mm-hmm. percent. At best, you may be able to do 50-50 on both, but that's really hard. And I think ideally, you should, be, if you want to be a business person, be a business person, not a real estate salesperson, and support your team by making them good, not yourself. That could
0: help as a recruitment and retention piece too, Andrew, because you're a non-competing principal as well.
1: No, massively. I think that's a big deal. I I think our job is to feed our people. I'm actually looking at our business being a B2B model, to be quite honest, not a B2C model, in that we don't have to, our real customers, I believe, and when people we should be having the concierge service for is our sales team, is our BDMs, are our brokers, are the people that work for us, rather than the clients themselves, because I've always had this philosophy in business, rightly or wrongly. If your people that work in your business are engaged and passionate about their brand, about what they do, the customers will get looked after. And you don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about customers because quite frankly, I don't go and see customers. Our wonderful team members do. And if they're happy, they do a great job. If they're not happy, they don't.
0: Mm. Okay. And I think it's it's an important segue into your particular model, because we touched on it previously about um, the, the individual uh, fee that would be payable in the Corona's model, but there's a second vertical to that, which is if you're an actual business. So if you could just clarify that and then and, and talk, talk on that point, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think running businesses is, is, is hard enough. So we, in our model of franchising, there's only three things we want to deliver to people. Number one is, Um, lowering their cost base. And that's not only to do with their franchise fees, but it's got to do with running their office and their P&Ls. And we've got an exceptional CFO, which will get involved and help people show where they can save money because every dollar saved is another dollar of profit you don't need to make. It's a big deal on that. And Mm. people don't understand that as well as they should, I don't believe. Mm. Uh, Secondly, uh, and by doing that, sorry, I should say we have a flat fee model of $100,000 a year. Um, I touched on it before in our last episode that we're only looking for people who are selling north of 10, uh, settling north of 10 properties a month. This isn't going to be for people who are, are starting out and uh, don't, uh, we're not going to be all things to everybody. So we're looking to take people who are doing 10 plus sales a month and take them up to 30 sales a month. And we still have a flat fee model of a hundred thousand dollars a year, plus some support costs on the other side. So that will save people money. Number one, number two, what we want to offer them is show people how to diversify their income stream through, growing their property management and through growing their finance and insurance and all the other streams that will come in and we'll put that in place for people. And number three, uh, as I, I touched on it, and I'll touch on it again, we've got to show people how to have an exit strategy when they choose to do it. Now, that might be five years, it might be 10 years, but I can honestly say in, in the book, the, the e-myth, they talk mm. about um, that you, know, you should be looking at how you're going to get out of your business. There's no point growing something big if eventually mm. you can't get out of it
0: yeah that's true so so really the two models to clarify that it's going to be accessible for coronas is is if you're an individual agent you're talking three grand a month which is 36 grand a year or if you're a business um it's going to be 100 grand a year
1: yeah very much yeah. Yeah. when we're talking to the individual agents there's startup strategies with that um mm. if the agencies, that there's not a startup strategy because we're going to be investing a lot of um, horsepower into your business from a corporate level to show you where to save money to diversify your income and, and the exit strategy as well.
0: I think that's fair because it's, it's not a variable cost. It's a fixed cost, which I think is a positive because... You know, you, you someone um, could get massive economies of scale and um, massive scale in their business, and yet their fixed costs stays stays the same. You know, and yeah. rather than rather than sort of clipping the ticket every single time, like it must it must be uh, quite um, you know tiresome upon people, and also cannibalizing into their into their P and L when when that does happen, right?
1: I think so. And I think that creates resentment too, because there's only so much value a franchise can offer, to be honest. And let's face it, the people in the office are doing the work. So I, I think that by offering a fixed fee model, we can vary our costs and we know what our expenditure is. The mm. people know what it's going to cost them a year. And when their business grows, they're not compelled going, why well, am I paying all this extra money and mm. all the time? And I think that's, a, that's a problem with our industry.
0: Mm. It helps for forecasting and planning, doesn't it? Because if you've got a fixed cost in there, it's like, well, you know, if 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 my productivity increases, that fixed cost is not going to change. Very much. Right. Yeah.
1: And if you look at the best businesses in the world, in my opinion, they all have fixed costs as percentages of their revenue, and they 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 try very hard to leave twenty percent at the end for themselves. Now, most real estate agencies aren't running at twenty percent profit or even close to that, um, and. That's the goal. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm not saying that, that you know, everyone should be there, but there's many real estate agencies who, if they didn't put the principal selling fees into the business, mm-hmm. wouldn't be making any money at all. And that's where I go to myself, well, why bother having a business? Just have got to be an EBU and have fun that way.
0: I agree. And then your wealth creation strategy could be just buying investment two, two investment properties a year with which, which has a lot less stress, uh, no front office managers, no photocopiers, no rent, no electricity. You know, it just ticks over. And, you know, so that, that, that was my strategy. A lot of people used to ask me, Andrew, all the time, you know, I was 26 years at McGrath. I mean, I eventually ended up buying into the business, but for so long, I'm like, why don't you just open your own? I'm like, I- I- I'm selling over a hundred properties a year, every single year. I'm buying investment properties properties i got my own wealth creation brand i have i have no hubris at all to have my name on the door like what for because i i knew what was involved you know so um you're right in in saying that um but there are other circumstances where it is appropriate right where people actually have a certain skill set where uh running an office you know is is part of it but they need to change lanes they need to go from sales mode into operations manager leader coach mentor role um, and help their other agents and they really need to change their mindset right
1: yeah, look, I think the best way of describing it is pretty simple is to say as a salesperson, it's look what I've done. And and you do have to say, Look what I've done, because that builds profile in your area and it shows people how successful you are. Um, as a leader of an office, you're gonna say, Look what you've done. I mean mm-hmm. the team has done. And there's a very big change of culture there that is is, is massive for someone to say, On one hand, I was saying, Look what I've done, I'm really good and I sell lots of houses to you. next minute. I'm so proud of my team. Look what they've done. And mm. there's a, that, that, that's a very big jump for people. And that's the, probably the, the easiest way of describing believe.
0: Even just that approach in itself, um, you need a certain type of 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 personality or even a shift in personality or paradigm from being sort of almost selfish to a degree because you sort of it's all about you to being selfless and altruistic really and saying well it's all about my team you know and i want to promote promote them so and you you taking a step backwards
1: right very much yeah Yeah, yeah. and it it sounds easier than done, right? Mm, mm. And look, I, I don't know how to describe this. I think you're born with it or you're not. You yeah. Know, yeah. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying you stick to your lane, you're probably best suited to.
0: So you think it, they're quite innate, those those characteristics or those traits. Um, I really they're, do. they're harder to, to, to actually acquire than they are to actually be innately born with, right?
1: I think so. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not a skill. I think it's a character trait and I think mm. character traits you're kind of born with. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so that's sort of nature versus nurture or character versus characteristics, or, or as I said, innate versus acquired, whichever way you want to look at it. I, I tend, I tend to agree actually. Um, so as, as, as we start to, to, to wrap up again, Andrew, um, just in terms of technology, what, what role do you think technology is, is going to play in, in, in the industry moving forward?
1: Um, Good point. I, I was posed a question today by somebody else who said, in five years' time, who, what are the two jobs you don't have in your business that mm. you believe you will need? And it's interesting. I think sometimes technology can be overplayed, but let me come back to that in a mm. Firstly, I think that um, data science is going to be massive in our industry and, and um, being able to give our consumers. So if I go back to a level of a salesperson, dealing with customers, I think, and, and leaders of businesses, we're going to have to offer our our customer, which is a salesperson, the ability to make their job easier through technology. No doubt about it. I don't think we've mastered technology very well at all at the moment. And I think with, with AI coming in and with data science and I mean, we, we actually know what people do. Let's face it. Everyone kind of grows up. They go to, they finish school generally or, or they need a vocation. They go and rent a house. They eventually, most people eventually go and save money. They, buy a house they'll meet a partner they have kids all these things happen in life and we're not actually planning that we're so analog in the real estate industry so i think data science is going to be massive in the industry going forward and um, in technology but in saying that i think for real estate offices and, you know i don't know if you ever watch the show billions and there's a character in there that goes around and um and and basically for the high performing team helps them run their life because Performance
0: coach, she's called a performance coach, yeah.
1: Exactly. Whether it be a sportsman or a high uh, real estate sales person or any salesperson or any high performance person, you actually need support, but you're so devoted and so dedicated and focused on your trade that Mm. sometimes other pieces of your life fall over. And I believe in our business, that's what I want to introduce, to help people run their lives. And that's wealth creation for people. That's Mm. helping them with their emotions when they go up and down. I mean, let's face it, that happens, right? And I think they're the, you know, you can talk about technology, and I think that will evolve. And I think I think data science will help us get there, but I don't think that's going to fix the real problem because we're all still human. And I think one thing that I want to invest in a business is more in our people and growing our people's lives.
0: Mm. It's so true what you said, though. Like it, it's 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 almost obviously predictable about a human being's journey in life, right? <laughs> um, yet, yet, we're trying to reinvent the wheel about where to identify Yeah. People from what patterns are they? Um, are they actually, you know, going to conduct next? Where we, we, we do know it in in the main, and invariably, eighty percent of people just fit exactly what you said. They go to school, then they go to university, they rent for a while, and then they'll they'll, they'll start a family and buy, go from a unit to a house, and then maybe buy an investment property. Right? Um, so it's 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 obviously predictable. Yet there's no exact you know, artificial intelligence that's actually taking us on a real estate journey in order to follow those people as such.
1: Okay. And, and I think that what comes is educating the people before they need the education. I mean, as a, as a person who's leaving school, and it's it's terrifying going to getting a bond and renting a house, you don't know what to do. And as an industry, we don't educate people well enough. And I, I don't, I believe education, before people need it, you know, coaching tenants on how to buy a house before they buy a house and what goes on. And that builds loyalty in brands. And that's where I think, that's where I think the uh, industry will end up heading or technology will head.
0: Brilliant. And, and to wrap up with, what about the current market, Andrew? Um, What's, what's your view on how long this, this boom can continue for? Is, is it, is it tenable? Is it sustainable?
1: Look, you know, if I was, if I, I'm a bit more mature now at fifty one years old, so I know whatever goes up eventually comes down a bit. Um, mm. and I can't as long uh, i've been I've been studying it around the world, um, but I think it's going to go for a bit longer, my honest opinion, and that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but eventually it's going to flatten down or if not come back it has to. Some of the prices are being achieved, not in one uh, one area or one market in Australia, in every market in Australia, mm. and not even in every, in every product, whether it be cars. So, yeah, I heard of someone buy, selling their second home car the other day for more than what they bought it for. Um, and I just, Incredible. that's untenable. But mm. I think what will happen is the money will wash through from the from the measures that put in place, and that will be the new norm, and then we'll settle down again. Uh, mm. But. Let's have fun while it's happening because I've never seen it like this, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. Same, Andrew. Yeah, 32 years. It's, been, it's certainly been the most rapid growth within the shortest period of time. Um, but, you know, not everyone's a beneficiary from it, right? you got a lot of frustrated buyers out there, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel I, – I mean, I've never had so many people who are calling me for their friends and their kids saying, can you make sure you introduce Mister <laughs> next to one of your agents? Mm. I really hard to help you because our agents are so busy at the moment the, the service mm. standards are quite and i don 't mean this in a, in a bad way for our agents, but you know, in general around australia it's very hard to serve as a buyer at the moment because there's so much buyer inquiry it's incredible
0: mm-hmm. good um, good little void or or a vacuum for for um, for buyer's agency or buyer's advocacy, which is <laughs> a, a, an evolving industry which which seemed almost strange seven years ago didn't it um and 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 now it's almost normal like most auctions you would have at least one buyer's agent or most campaigns you would have at least one buyer's agent who's taken a contract or 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 shown interest in a property um so it's definitely become a part of part of the landscape now hasn't it and and it's here to here to stay in my opinion
1: oh definitely i think (laughs) it'll to grow i mean there's more people use it and if you talk to people who have used it and have, they've had a good experience, they've bought something, they're going to their barbecues on the weekend and saying, I use the buyer's agent, it was a great experience and you have to pay for it, but it doesn't matter. So, mm. and quite frankly, I think that actually helps the industry in general. Uh, I know in the States they have buyers and sellers agents. I don't mm. I don't have a real issue with it. I think it's a positive for our industry, to be honest. Mm. It's not positive. It the only think-
0: difference, obviously, in the States is they can play both sides. where We're not allowed to do that here, right? So, they they, they get to double dip.
1: Yeah, it's, it's quite incredible, the cultural differences. But look, I think it's here to stay. I totally agree. And I think it's open to void at the moment where people are frustrated to buy a house. Um, and so I would probably use a buyer's agent now too because uh, going out and seeing open for inspections and getting beaten on property every weekend would be pretty mm.
0: Well, yeah, and, and, and the industry with buyer's advocacy first started if you're an expat or if you're overseas, but now it's like, the opportunity cost of not using one in your core business is too high. Like, you know, you just said it perfectly. Like if you, a person in your position like, why wouldn't Why would you, you appoint a buyer's agent? But if I went and, and approached um, even a small business owner, why wouldn't you? Because the opportunity cost of spending time outside of his or her core business would be quite high, right? So, so it, it actually makes sense, whether it's 1%, 2%, whatever it is, it's like you look at all the hours spent visiting properties, vetting properties, talking to agents, chasing agents or whatever. Um, it actually makes perfect sense when you think about it.
1: Yeah, someone said to me the other day, and I liked it. You're buying, you're paying for a relationship. That's what you're paying for. You're paying a buyer's agent who's got relationships in the industry to know when things are coming up for sale and buying them for you, mm. uh, and also giving you um, advice on market conditions. Mm. But I think you're, the biggest thing is you're paying for security, you're paying for a relationship, and we do it in a lot of other things. So I can't, I can't see why people wouldn't continue to do it.
0: Yeah, agree. Andrew, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. I always enjoy our chats. Uh, it's been a great um, second vignette of this um, great episode between you and I. Um, and if anyone wants to reach out to Andrew, what's what's the best way um, through Coronas website or
1: yeah, no, just andrew at coronas.com that I use my email address. that would be the easiest. And look, I and look, I'm a very sharing person. I, I really want our industry to grow and get better. I think it's been really good for me, and I know you you agree the same. With what we're mm. doing um Adrian in the industry is fantastic so I think if we if we all uh, are able information's free if that makes sense it depends mm. what you put the information like the difference so if anybody wants to know anything about our business please reach out I'm more than happy to, to answer any question uh candidly and openly.
0: That's fantastic. That's excellent, Andrew. Really appreciate your time again. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you real soon. Hopefully we're going to do some, some coaching and, and some work together. So I really look forward to that.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Watch your space. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right, Andrew, you take care, mate. Cheers. You too. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.